0: Now imagine you are Jairus for just a minute. Your daughter is dying. In desperation, you rush to Jesus and you ask for help and oh my gosh, he said yes. And you allow yourself just for a second to hope. It's Jesus after all, he can and will heal her. You feel the relief begin to rush through you and then Jesus, stops He stops to talk to this woman after she stole a healing The audacity While they are talking your daughter dies So we are in week 2 of a 5 week summer sermon series called I've Been Meaning to Ask. This is a whole series based on asking questions. And I kind of feel like it's really important for us to focus on this right now in this time and place. It's been kind of floating around on the internet recently that Jesus asks us over 300 questions in the Gospels and only answers three. So maybe Spending time asking questions is a lot more important than answering them. I've been wondering a lot lately if we've lost our abilities to ask questions. Not just of God, but even of each other. It feels like there is an abundance of assumptions and a lack of questions. We get so caught up in our own feelings of pain and disappointment, we don't pause to wonder if the person we are assuming doesn't care or doesn't see us might be struggling with their own pain and their own disappointments. Author and speaker Sonia Renee Taylor said, so often we only understand pain from the depth of the well from whence we've experienced it. And she says, when we can remember other people are drawing from their own well of pain just as we draw from ours, then it is downright transformative. And the way we do that is by asking questions. At least we're going to try. Today's question is probably one we've all asked or have been asked at some point in our lives, right? Where does it hurt? Maybe we went running to a loving and caring adult in our lives with tears in our eyes and they scooped us up and said, what's wrong, where does it hurt? Maybe you've been that adult to a child you love. As children, we couldn't always articulate what exactly was wrong, and this question is a way for caring adults to help take away our pain, fix things up, make us feel better. If nothing else, to make us feel heard. As we grow up, we, as as is the way things are, we tend to run to our caring adults less often we learn to rely on ourselves for our own care and comfort maybe we allow a loved one or two close but for the most part we value self-sufficiency and inner strength over external signs and signals of pain and brokenness as we get older we just stop asking ourselves and each other where does it hurt we just you know get on With our lives. Bootstraps and all that, right? Fall apart? No one has time for that. We don't give ourselves time to feel our feelings. We don't give ourselves time to sit in how hard things are. It's really evidenced by a thing I know I've mentioned before, but the average amount of bereavement given from work in the United States is three days for the loss of a family member. That's just for a parent, spouse, child, or sibling. Three days, that's not for a friend or a close person in your life who doesn't happen to be in your immediate family. Three days, y'all, who is okay after three days from a loss like that? No matter what kind of pain or hurt we have suffered, we are taught to just shove that pain down and keep going, because that's what we're supposed to do. It's what we all do. We just keep going. One of the most popular cartoons and memes over the past few years is this one from comic artist Casey Green. Everybody's probably seen this. It's floated around the internet kind of a lot, lots of people. I've sent this to plenty of people in my life. It's so popular because so many of us know this feeling, right? It feels like everything around us is burning and we are like, this is, it's fine, it's fine, I'm fine, it's fine, right? Even when it is so obviously not fine at all. Today's question, where does it hurt? If we pause long enough to let ourselves really think about the answer, might simply be too much for us. It is too hard. So we just don't do it. We don't ask, we say it's fine, we keep moving. But I have to tell y'all, your hurt will come out. Hurt people hurt people. Have you heard that before? People in pain cause pain. We get mad at the wrong things, our tempers are short, Our ability to see the best in each other gets smaller and smaller and smaller. This is evidence of our hurt, of our pain, of our brokenness, finding a way. I'm not saying it's a good way, but it's a way. But sometimes when we hear this question where does it hurt? If we really allow ourselves a moment, the pause, to listen to the answer in our bodies, did you notice that line that the woman in this story felt it in her body? If we allow ourselves to feel the answer to this question in our bodies, in our hearts, in our minds, we might find the healing that closely follows behind the truth held in an honest answer. I find it very interesting that the team at Sanctified Art that we that wrote this series for us chose this set of verses to go with this question. It may be not what I would have chosen to place alongside where does it hurt. In fact, the stories of healing in today's gospel from Mark might kind of feel like the wrong fit all together, but the magic in this section is the way Mark tells these two stories, one sandwiched in between the other. The fancy churchy word for that is intercalation. Anyone want to say that? Intercalation. It's, it's, It's a fancy church word, which just means a sandwich. So you go, you can call your mics, mics like sandwiches for the theme of the day, everybody. Um, in hearing stories in this particular way, our eyes are opened to details and moments so small, we might have missed them entirely if we were reading each story on its own. In all the ways these two women could be categorized and divided, Mark brings them together, slowly and surely erasing the differences between them. One is not more or less worthy of healing than the other, and their healing matters so much less than their restoration to the community. The fear in both of the communities around them is palpable, and so is the faith. Mark connects these two stories of Jairus' daughter and the hemorrhaging woman intentionally and in such a beautiful way. He wants us to be drawn into their lives, into their fear, and into their faith. And maybe, maybe most importantly, Mark wants us to see something more than the healing that occurs in these stories. Mark wants us to hear and see the hurt that is all around and within the lives of these women. This week's question implies that all of us have known pain and suffering, right? Where does it hurt? It's not, does it hurt? Where does it hurt? In order to cultivate connection, we must first get curious about the pain we carry ourselves and the pain that others carry too. Before we can act, we must first acknowledge and believe that the pain we feel is real for bearing witness to each other's pain helps us cultivate compassion. Mark's Gospel today takes us right in the middle of this kind of hurt. Not as distant observers, but right into the middle of it. Rev. Brittany Rossum wrote that in this passage we find Jesus in the midst of human life and all its hurting, He is in the press of the crowd with sweaty human bodies and the scent of a woman's blood. Jesus stops and listens to this long hurting person as if pain were not so shameful, but something we all experience. Jesus then enters a stagnant, grief filled room, no doubt smelling of sickness and death. Where does it hurt? there on that street scene, there in that dark, grief-filled room, here in you and in me, where does it hurt? Your pain matters. But so does the pain of the world. Your story is not the only story. And to understand just what I mean and how that matters, We go back into this gospel text from Mark. Imagine, just for a moment, you are this woman. You have been bleeding for years. Years. If you have been sick for this long, been with this many doctors who told you you were just making it up, just lady problems, it's probably all in your head, it's hysteria, and Jesus is making his way past you, what do you do? You take your chance and you just go for it, right? And it works. For this woman, oh my gosh, it works. Imagine this moment for her, a miracle. You didn't stop to think about who Jesus might be going to see or what he was going to do there. You didn't think anything but that you wanted to be well. Now imagine you are Jairus for just a minute. Your daughter is dying. In desperation, you rush to Jesus and you ask for help, and oh my gosh, he said yes. you allow yourself just for a second to hope. It's Jesus after all. He can and will heal her, You feel the relief begin to rush through you. And then, Jesus stops. He stops to talk to this woman after she stole a healing. The audacity. While they are talking, your daughter dies. How do you feel about that woman? Furious right? Furious. All the swear words. Imagine having to wait, to not jump in, to not push Jesus along. Could you do it? I could not. I am not patient enough for that. I would be like, let's go, Jesus. We got stuff to do. Remember? This daughter's 12, my daughter's 12. I have some big feelings about this story when I read it. I could not wait for him to help someone else. And yet the pause to talk to this woman does not change a single outcome for Jairus' daughter. Despite what it feels like on the way. If we are imagining ourselves in the feelings of this story, did the woman not deserve healing just because you asked for your daughter's healing first? Is that how this works? What if the woman and Jairus had seen each other? What if they had seen each other's hurt instead of only their own? Would it have changed anything for them? We know it doesn't change anything for Jesus. But I wonder if it would have changed anything for them. I don't know. I know that Mark includes both of these stories in a sandwich because he wants us to notice some things about their story, about their hurt, and that those things are more intertwined than we might think. Our stories, our hurts are more intertwined than we might initially think. And I wonder this morning if we could start to notice. Can we begin to ask ourselves and each other, where does it hurt? In both of these stories, the root Greek verb used in their restoration is the same. It's the word sozo. It actually is the root word for life. And it doesn't mean fixed, it doesn't mean healed. It means made whole, brought back to life. Jairus asks for wholeness for his daughter. The woman hopes for wholeness when she reaches out to touch Jesus' cloak. The end game of this story is life and wholeness. Not perfection, not wellness, not health, but wholeness. And here's the kicker, which brings us full circle to our question for this week. We cannot be made well without knowing what hurts. We have to see and name that what is hurting in you, what is broken in you, In order to experience the healing of Jesus. You have to be willing to hear a brokenness and a hurt of somebody else in order to experience the healing of Jesus. So once more, I want to ask you, where does it hurt? I want you to, with me, stop running, stop pretending, stop glossing over Stop stop pushing down all the things that are hurt in you. We are going to come forward. We are going to reach out our hands. And we are going to receive the gift of God's healing and restoration right into the middle of it. Where does it hurt? So we have come before God and noticed the places where we are broken, we have acknowledged the places where we are hurt and we have been fed and now we are sent. So go in peace to love and serve the Lord.